Financial decisions. You face them at every turn. Do you ever feel lost? Do you ever feel like you might be missing something or making a mistake? Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Step Right Capital Planning. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. Today, the topic of our show is peace through education. Two guests today, they are Jem Monroe and Barbara Malera, and they're representing the Amarok Society. Jem Monroe has devoted his life and career to improving educational opportunities for disadvantaged people across Canada and abroad. Pursuit of this objective carried him into residence in unfortunate communities across most of Canada before carrying him overseas. He's presently a director of Amarok Society, a registered Canadian charity that provides education programs to the very poor in Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Nigeria. As well, Jem is an author and artist whose current book is a best-selling collection of stories about some of the extraordinary people he's come to know in the slums of Bangladesh. Sale of his book is a major fundraiser for Amarok Society, so we will be sure to learn from him where you can get a hold of that book. For their work, Jem and his wife, Tanis Monroe, were recipients of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medals. Barbara Malera, our other guest today, recently retired from the Brandt Family and Children's Service after serving them for 15 years. Prior to working with the Brandt Family and Children's Service, Barbara lived in Belize for six years teaching school and working on a drug education project. Barbara enjoys traveling, always anxious to see new places and to meet new people. When Barbara learned about the Amarok Society, she knew she wanted to be involved as a tribute to her mother. Barbara is married to Emilio and lives in St. George, Ontario. So welcome, Jem and Barbara. Nice to be here. Yes, it certainly is. So we're really looking forward to learning about the work of the Amarok Society and also you've got some great things coming up that people can get involved and learn more and and help your work as well. Jem, why mm-hmm. the name Amarok? Amarok is Inuktitut for wolf. And we thought that that was a suitable name for our operations. Our, my wife's and my background is in Aboriginal education, First Nations education in okay. Canada. In fact, we're still involved in that very heavily. But we liked the idea wolves act uh, fiercely but cooperatively to a common objective. And we felt that this was reflective mm. of our program that we wanted to establish in very poor neighborhoods. And we also like the idea of a very Canadian word being used on the other side of the world. So it was a bit of self-indulgence as well. Okay. So is that something you have to explain when you're traveling? No. uh, We're usually dealing with people uh, for whom English is a second language or unknown language. So um, they just accept it as a word they don't know. Okay. I'm often asked about it in North America and in Britain and Europe, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a great word. I'm glad it I asked is. that. I think so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Our intention was to coalesce the people with whom we're working into that sort of fierce but cooperative effort. So we thought it was really suitable. Yes. 
Yes. Jim, why have you been so committed to education for the disadvantaged? Well, because that is their relief from their suffering. We realized very much as we were looking closely upon disadvantaged people, both in Canada and elsewhere in the world, that the real core of their disadvantage, the real impediment to their gaining a purposeful and advantaged life, was the absence of education. And we've seen nothing whatsoever to cause us to change our minds regarding that. Mm. Education really is the sine qua non to all of our progress, both individually, but also our progress as a human race, you know. Yeah. It's become one of the themes that the radio show has sort of developed around is, you know, there's all of these problems. And whatever problem you can list, education is the answer. As a matter of fact, it's, it is the answer. You're quite right about that, Lynn. And all of the other problems that we face are a product of our failure to educate the world. Mm. And every problem that we can identify, be it environment, be it health, anything else, will not respond to our efforts if we don't have education in place. Right, right. And it really you know, is the foundation for all of our progress and improvement in the world. Yeah. And many of our challenges are so big if we don't educate and get people on side. You know, our, well, absolutely our right. How are we to enlist the, the numbers of people who can have a positive effect on the very serious and very big challenges before us? if education isn't available to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Jim, what drew you to Bangladesh? Well, Bangladesh, by happenstance, came to my wife's and my attention. And the first thing that I thought of was, well, there was a long time, many decades ago, Bangladesh very briefly came to the world's attention and then receded from the world's attention. The world turned its attention away and Bangladesh has been a country that's been very much ignored in the world, and we could spend a good length of time speculating as to the reasons why that would be. But we did notice that this is a country about which one hears very little, and we were intrigued by it, and we investigated its conditions and found that its conditions were amongst the worst in the world in every regard. And yet it was a country that didn't enjoy the world's concern. So we really became interested in it on that basis. Right. That was where this project first began. And then you've expanded into Pakistan yeah. and Nigeria. Um, yes. So why, why moving out into those countries as well? Because those countries met our criteria and that we established for where we would apply our efforts. And mm -hmm. we have three. One is need, and all of our three countries exemplify that. Second is neglect. So okay. are the proper things being done in these countries to address those problems? And in each of these countries, we would say, no, they're not being addressed properly. And the third is, does the ongoing situation present a threat to the world? And each of these three countries presents a very serious threat to the world if their conditions don't improve. According to many people, these are the three most dangerous countries in the world. Wow. And that's where you've chosen to work. Well, that's where we feel that we must work. Wow. So we sort of feel that these places have chosen us. Okay. That's wonderful. What is Amarok's unique approach to education? Tell us how you do it and how you came about having this approach to educating. 
Well, as as we looked at the conditions in Bangladesh, we realized, as I said, that education was absolutely essential to any improvement in these people's lives and for the development of the country altogether. I'm always uh, a little bit curious as to how the term developing country arose, because mm-hmm. in so many countries, they're not developing, they're undeveloped. Right. And it's a comforting phrase, developing country, but it's not a realistic phrase. Uh-huh. So we are looking at the situation there, and we are educators by background, and we were aware that there have been no improvements in education, in educating the children of the world. Mm -hmm. Despite frequent declarations of intention, it doesn't happen. The numbers of children in the world who can't get an education is not going down. And we realized that both we ourselves, but also the world, was never going to afford the costs of educating all the children in the world. Mm -hmm. We aren't able to afford it ourselves. We knew that the world could afford it, but the world wouldn't afford it. So we were thinking, what approach could we bring to this problem that would maximize the resources that are available to us, really get the most effect for the little amounts of money that we would be able to spend on this effort? Mm -hmm. And the idea that we came up with, also, we were very concerned about sustainability. Any of these endeavors should be. And the solution that we arrived at was the idea of not opening schools for children. People have been doing that, and that hasn't been having the effect overall on the big picture that people would want or that we would want. Don't open schools for children, we decided, but go into the poorest neighborhoods. And at this point, we're talking about city slums, not villages, because villages get attention that city slums do not. But go into the slums and open schools, not for the children, but for mothers in the slums, and teach them to become teachers. Mm -hmm. So teach them so that they could operate, each of these mothers could operate her own little school within the slum. And that's the model that we've pursued. It's been very, very difficult, Lynn, because we're dealing with women who both by custom and opportunity have, and circumstances of their lives, have been denied any education at all. So when a woman enters our school, she's completely uneducated. In fact, I would say she's less educated than our Canadian five-year-olds going into kindergarten. Wow. Wow. Because she's not been exposed to even the kind yes, of that's right. that, yeah. that they have been exposed to. Jim, we're going to go for a short break, and I want to talk about you know more about why this works and the results that you have seen from this in Bangladesh. So. Um, okay. We'll be right back after this short message. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? What if you could make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Charitable giving is often presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and designing your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how clarity about what is important to you gives every aspect of life new meaning. Tune in to Step Right with Lynn regularly. Welcome back to Step Right with Lynn. I'm your host, Lynn Wadham. Today the subject is Peace Through Education, and my guests are Jem Monroe and Barbara Malera, representing the Amarok Society. And the different approach that the Amarok Society takes is that they are educating mothers. 
and we've been talking with Jim about how challenging that is because the women are not starting from a basis of any education. But we're going to talk now about challenges, but also what that means to the women and what it can mean to their families. So, Jam, why does this work so well in Bangladesh? There's nothing about Bangladesh that would cause it to work particularly well. If anything, Bangladesh presents every possible impediment to it working well. So we're quite sure, because of our success in Bangladesh, that this program will work very effectively anywhere else where it's applied. Okay, uh, so you're on to something. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> There's nothing about Bangladesh that made these conditions more propitious to our success. So okay. we were quite convinced then by the basis, on the basis of our success, that we really were on to something. Yes. So what have you seen happening? We, well, I was just going to mention that what our method relies, of course, upon the goodness that can be found in people. If that isn't available, if, if it's not there, available to us, our program doesn't work. But we've never failed to find that core of goodness in enough people for this program really to work. Lovely. So what changes do you see in the women and what changes do you see happening around you? Well, the changes into... in the women and then in the slums. So their communities are night and day, and Barbara can certainly contribute to this too because she's seen the effects of what a program manages to do. The women go from being really seriously oppressed. We're dealing with probably the most oppressed women in the world in our programs, and they go from demonstrating all of the earmarks of that sort of oppression and suppression to becoming confident, capable, and happy people in ways that they never would have dreamt was possible. And it alters everything about them. It alters the way they live, their day-to-day, -day, their moment-to-moment -moment conduct of themselves. It changes their outlook on what's possible within their lives. The success of their wives changes the outlook of what's possible in the lives of their husbands, and of their neighbors, and the transformation is really remarkable. And the difference between a slum where we operate and where we don't is night and day. So you come into a slum. So many cultural pieces would say that it's not appropriate to educate these women. Well, I'll, I'll argue with you there for a moment, Lynn. Uh, we don't regard ignorance as culture. Uh, and, okay. we don't, and we don't treat ignorance as culture. Mm-hmm. So those opinions we don't regard as sacrosanct in any way. Oh, that's their way well, of doing things. Right. But how do you get around their way of doing things? Well, it takes a lot of courage on the part of our mothers enrolling. And then we must rely upon them demonstrating to everyone within their community the tremendous benefit that everyone within the community is realizing on the basis of the women's accomplishments. And fortunately, that always happens. Okay, the great so majority of people that. within the slum come to recognize the great benefit for everyone that these women are, are achieving. There are individual recalcitrant, intransigent, bigoted people who won't change for anything, but they don't hold sway over the slums anymore. Okay. So... For the most part, then, the woman would deal with her situation. I'm thinking in regarding a husband who isn't, you know, her mm -hmm. husband who isn't convinced that she should be doing this. She deals with that? 
Yeah, uh, she does actually deal with that, and usually by sort of passive defiance. So she just attends. She just attends. Uh And we have many, many instances of that. And normally, the husband will change. Uh I was asked not long ago, after a speech I gave, and during the question period, someone asked me, why would men surrender the the supremacy that they enjoy within these situations? Mm -hmm. Well, and my answer was... To this man, do you think that your life has been improved because you married a woman whom you can respect and admire? Or do you think your life would have been richer if you were married to a woman whom you did not respect or admire? And the answer is obvious, but it becomes obvious to the men of our slums, too. Wow. So what are some of the benefits to the community that you've seen? Well, they move from pessimism to optimism and from despair to hope and that really changes everything, as I always say. These are very unhappy places. We sometimes, in our world, like to imagine that there's a simpler, better life amongst the very poor in the world, and that there's something that we could learn from their circumstance. Well, there's not, as a matter of fact. That sort of poverty is a day-to-day, moment-to-moment misery. And that changes, as a matter of fact. And that changes everything. The prospects of the children are dramatically improved. So they go from being fated, being doomed to a meaningless, purposeless reenactment of their parents' lives to a prospect of genuine improvement within their own lives. And that really happens. It's not just hope. It's reality. I was at one of our schools not long ago. Hearing from the mothers of the career objectives of the children whom they were teaching and of their own children. And it's such a dramatic difference that they have career objectives at all, that they would even Mm. consider such a thing. But these are not pie-in-the-sky, unrealistic aspirations. They're realistic hopes for, if I work hard at this, I can achieve this. And in listening to these mothers, I realized, well, here's a school that we're not going to need in another 10 years. Mm. Because the next generation will not need our help. And that was a wonderful thing to see. A proper charitable endeavor, of course, is always working for the day that it's no longer needed. And I was able to see that in this school. Mm -hmm. You begin it and you nurture it like a baby bird. And if you can get it to fly, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. If it can leave the nest, that would be something. um, That's the success, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we have these mothers... Uh, you're giving them some hope, which they can then pass on to their children as well. Oh, yes. And the men pick it up, too. They undertake things they never would have before. They wow. learn from their wives, which is a remarkable thing in these situations. Every time mm-hmm. we've opened a, a school, a new school, the wives have laughingly said that their husbands would never, ever dream of accepting the idea that they could learn something from their wives. But it happens every time. Wow. We have men who sit in into their wives' little schools so that they can learn. Oh. And then they use what they have learned from their wives to undertake little initiatives that they never would have dreamt of before. Wow, that's wonderful. The ripple effects are just huge. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think we're going to take our next break right now, and when we come back, I want to hear more about some of the people and some of your stories about the work in Bangladesh. So we'll be right right. back. This is Step Right with Lynn. 
Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner, entrepreneur, educator, and radio show host with a vision of a future where families, neighborhoods, communities, and whole societies support each other. Where each of us lives up to our own potential so we can help others in a substantial way. Where giving back is something we all practice, whether of our time, our expertise, or our finances. You can reach Lynn with your comments or questions at 519-448-3477 or by email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's 519-448-3477 or by email at lynn at stepright.ca. Welcome back to our show today. This is Step Right with Lynn. I'm Lynn Wedham. I'm your host. And we've been talking with our guest, Jem Monroe, about the work of the Amarok Society and the hope that they are bringing to people in some of the poorest areas of the world, the slums of Bangladesh. So, Jem, tell us about some of the people and their stories. Well, one woman who springs to mind quickly, and I love her story, is uh, she was a widow. She's about 40 years old, which is within these slums getting close to her life expectancy. And she looks much older than 40, but she's about 40 years old. She, as I say, is a widow. She had children, and she managed to eke out some sort of existence by scrounging and begging. And in the course of that, she happened by a slum in which we have a school. And she heard a most extraordinary sound. This is what she related to me. She heard a sound she never expected to hear, and it was of a group of happy women. And she was intrigued by this sound, so she followed it to our school. And she looked in the doorway of our school and said to the women assembled there, what's going on? And they told her, and she said, is there any chance I could join your school? And they said, yes, if you agree to teach five children, you may join our school. So she did that. What's of interest about her is that she lives about three miles away from this school. And every day she walks the three miles to attend her school. She's always there first and then walks home again and then continues with her livelihood, her efforts of which have improved greatly because of her participation in the school. But I always remember what she said to me, and that was that her life was full of sorrows until she came to our school, and then she found happiness. And those words, of course, reverberate with me always. And she now has a worthwhile, quite a good livelihood, a clever idea that she came up with herself for how to, beyond the dependency and the miserable existence of, of begging, which is a really awful life, And uh, she came up with a very clever idea for how to develop a little business for herself. And she does it very, very capably with the help of her children, whom she's educating as well. And that is she collects up rejected clothing from, you know, that Bangladesh is famous for its garment factories Mm -hmm. and so on. And the factories discard clothing that doesn't measure up. So seconds, really, that wouldn't be good right. enough for Walmart, but they're plenty good enough for the very poor people in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. So she collects up these rejects and then peddles them door to door. And it's really quite a good little job she's got. Right. It's a good little business she's got. Wow. And, of course, she's able, to, she's able to conduct a business because now she has numeracy, which she never had before. And we direct our arithmetic towards practical. Oh, uh, lovely, arithmetic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So to enable people to operate their little businesses. I have another very quick story I could relate, uh, but oh, then absolutely. I'd like Barbara to contribute something okay. to her observations. Okay, wonderful. Uh, and that was a big mall, shopping mall, opened quite close to one of our schools, to the slum of one of our schools. And the women were sufficiently emboldened by their success within the school. Five women went to apply for jobs within this mall as sweepers, as cleaners, floor cleaners. Now, this would have been a job that would be completely beyond their possibility of obtaining before they'd entered our school. But the result of their application was that not one of these five women got a job as a cleaner in this new mall. They each mm -hmm. got jobs as sales assistants. Wow. Wow, indeed. And it was all wow. on the basis of the skills that they gained within our schools, but also with the presence and their bearing, which was so changed right. from a slum woman's bearing. I always mention that our focus is not on enabling these women to get jobs. We're not doing adult right. upgrading. We're creating teachers. Our client is the child, and the mother is our means of reaching our client. But nonetheless, these side benefits are very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, they wouldn't have had the confidence to even apply for the sweeper job had they not. Oh, no, and Barbara will attest to that. Oh, I absolutely will. You have to understand or picture if women prior to them getting their education don't even believe that they are valuable enough to even think that they could have education. And they despair about what they'll do with their children who they don't even really know how to enjoy. But one of the things I do is I receive letters from mothers who are sending them to people usually in Canada who are sponsoring them. I get a really great insight. Plus, I've been there, so I see in my mind's eye just what they're talking about. So let me tell you about a woman in one of the slums who has blossomed because of her getting her education. Outside of her slum or in another part of the slum, there was a group being pulled together to eliminate smoking or trying to get people to stop smoking. Well, my goodness, wasn't she appointed from her school to attend this meeting? And now, isn't she on the committee to eliminate smoking? She would never have even thought she could have opened her mouth. She would never have even thought that anybody would listen to her. Now she's one of the core committee people who are transforming the slums through eliminating smoking. I hear about a little boy who learned on his mother's bed, so he calls his mother his mother teacher, and he started to become educated himself. Now he spends a great deal of time reading. He mm -hmm. studies. He teaches his younger brothers and sisters, and I learn all about that, and he's absolutely certain that he's going to be able to, you know, go on through regular school and get on. He's starting to raise pigeons, something he would never thought that he could do, and he says, you know, he knows all about their life cycle. He sells a few occasionally to get things, and he breeds more. That wouldn't have been a possibility. One of the things that happens within our schools always when the school gets up and running and the women start to become confident in their abilities and in their skills and get this new outlook on life and of the possibilities of their own lives, they usually at some point demand that we start providing work opportunities for them or jobs, mm -hmm. which we don't do. And we've always right. said and always believed and have been proven right. If we provide the education, they will provide the jobs. They will provide the livelihood, 
and that's what always happens. That's wonderful. I always imagine a little plant that's just making it. You know, you see it sort of growing out between the rocks someplace, and you have no idea how it can live. It's just making it. They get education, which would be akin to sunshine and water and proper nurturing, and they're growing and they're strong and they're colorful and their offspring are affected and are doing well. You know, it's just giving them opportunity that they would never, ever have had. And they seize those opportunities. Oh, my goodness, do they ever. I see that green plant that you're talking about. To me, you're talking about one of those spider plants. So it's big and green in the middle, and, and then the little offshoots are going everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, yeah. in my very, mind, very I'm, good image. I, I'm seeing that plant, and it's, you know, there's no color around it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as the plant nurtures and sends its offsprings out, there starts to be color around them. You know, and then the offspring continue it. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Another example is women learn about nutrition. They learn about having fun with their children. And so they'll write to somebody here and they'll say, did you know? Did you know that you shouldn't have potatoes and rice at the same meal? You need variety. Did you know that you can play with your children and it's good? Oh, man. You know? So they want to share it with us. Right. Wow. Oh, yeah, they they become teachers, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yes, I'm sure there's many ways that we could do a show just on the way that, that they become teachers. I know Barbara has learned a lot. <laughs> well, I certainly have. She is certainly very excited about the things that she has learned. How many schools are operating now? We have 24 in operation right wow. now, which is not nearly enough. We right. need 100 times that. In each of our countries. Yeah. Yeah. But it really is the most economical delivery of education anywhere in the world. Right. If you can imagine, the school is a small room, no desk, everybody sits on the floor. The walls are just full of information. There's a board at the front where women will come up and learn. You know, you don't need to have all the fancy stuff. You just need to have floor space. Right. The hunger is there, you know, I'm sure that... Oh, absolutely, Lynn, you're absolutely right. I always insist, you know, ignorance is not our natural state. Uh Learning and teaching are our natural state. That is the natural state of humanity. And to be denied that opportunity is not leaving someone in some sort of idyllic natural state. It is depriving them of the essential requirements of their very nature. Mm. Yes, that's a good way to put it. So 24 schools, it's a significant impact because you're seeing each of these making a significant impact in the slum in which they're operating. Yes. Again, you're seeing huge needs beyond what you're able to do at this point. What are the newest Mm -hmm. projects that you've you've taken on? Uh, Well, the, the most interesting to me right now is, of course, opening the schools in Pakistan and Nigeria. But Pakistan is particularly interesting because we're doing it in a very dangerous area. We're doing it really in the heart of Taliban territory in Pakistan. And, of course, this could not be better designed to enrage uh, the extremists who are looking on. But it's wonderful to see the response of the women within these slums and the courage that they show not only towards their families and their immediate circumstance, but they're well aware of the larger threat against them too. 
So we really rely upon that sort of courage from them. Right. And it's wonderful and to you, see them responding again. Are you seeing similar results in Pakistan as you saw in Bangladesh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Which we again, expected. Right. So the element of safety and conditions are quite similar in Pakistan, are they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're comparable in some aspects. It's more dangerous in Pakistan. In some aspects, it's more dangerous in Bangladesh. And in some aspects, it's more dangerous in Nigeria. But basically, they're comparable situations. Right. So you you must do a lot of research to know those elements of the community that you're dealing with. Yes, that's true. We do. And we certainly aren't in a position where we can undertake a situation that's likely to fail. So it's necessary mm-hmm. for us. And we're not really importing anything. Our whole program is developing the resources and the abilities on the ground in that location. And so, mm-hmm. yes, it is necessary. But the fact is that people are people around the world. And, and we don't have to make allowances for basic differences in right. the people in any of these countries because mm-hmm. those basic differences don't exist. Right, right. I've always believed that we are more alike than we are different. And if we just had the ability to look for our similarities instead of concentrating on our differences, things would be far different. Wouldn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, in answer to your question as well, Lynn, about what are some of the exciting projects. Jemis talked about the Pakistan and Nigeria experience, which is very exciting. But I'd like to just mention that back in the schools in Bangladesh, we're starting to develop libraries, which uh-huh. are amazing, because the concept of a library is not well-known at all, is it, Jem? Oh, no. I and, find a library yeah. in Dhaka, not just in the slums. Yeah. Look so for a public library in Dhaka. You'll be looking forever. <laughs> oh, really? So our women want to be able to spend more time with books and to learn more and to read, and so we're starting to open up libraries in Eventually, all of our schools, hopefully, but we'll start with a few. We'll have books in their own language and in English. Women will be able to come there and read for longer periods of time, but also take wow. books back out and use it for their children. This is an experiment that we're going to start with several schools. It's an additional expense, but we're trying to sort that out. You know, it's like you can't stop progress. This is the next step. And just the idea of a library could hold a lot of power, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The the power for change in that. So I want to make it clear to the listeners, what you said was in the city you couldn't find a library. Yes, that's right. So we couldn't find a library in the city, let alone in the slums. Let alone in the slums, yeah. 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 Wow. And yet, I mean, how many of us spent hours in libraries as, you know, real refuges, as places to go to? To find out things. I still Shocking. spend a great deal of time in libraries. This is true. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 Again, it's another one of those things that we take for granted. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah. But we should be able to take those things for granted. Mm. We should have those things. These yeah. aren't luxuries. Yeah. They're necessities. We should mm-hmm. have them, but everyone should have them. Right. And one of the things that happens is, and out of it comes all the things we've talked about, too, is the deep relationships and friendships of support that develop among the women. What Jem said, the woman's story, she'd never heard women, you know, together laughing and getting on. 
that's true with most of these women. They've never had a friend, a woman friend. Can you imagine? Their lives within the slum, that's correct. Their lives within Uh the slum, they were really socially isolated. They were homebound, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing. We have no idea. We have no idea what's out there. So that we take enough time for this, please tell us how you're funded, what are your ongoing challenges, how can people help? Well, our ongoing challenge, without question, is funding. That is our most difficult problem because Mm -hmm. we find that where we open a school, where we operate, the response is as we expected, and it's very, very good. So our biggest problem is finding the funding. Now, we have secondary problems, too, and that is the threat to our operations from extremism, and that's something with which we have to deal on an ongoing basis. But our real problem is that we don't have enough resources to do all that we would like to do and know that we could do. Our funding is from various sources. It's still significant uh, contributions from individuals. We get a lot of support from Rotary International, and that's very important to us. We get support from Seroptimists International. Mm-hmm. So those two service clubs in particular are very good to us, and we are very, very appreciative of that support and of what they're accomplishing in these places through Amarok Society. How can people help? People who are interested and think this is a good idea can contact us through our website. They can make donations. They can sponsor a particular project or a a woman to go to school in which they would receive letters from her and just know that they're really helping to transform lives and communities. So we do have a website, and we're happy to receive donations through it. And, you know, it touches the heart. This story touches the heart of people, and this is a really valued action that they can take. I'm always impressed by the ideas that people come up with themselves for how they can help us. So Uh we don't have a template, you know, but we're always happy to hear from people uh, who have ideas themselves of what they can do to help us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so you're open to that kind of thing, too. One of you, tell me about the Adopt-A-Mother program. Well, I can speak to that. It costs $500 a year to have one woman be able to attend school. So an individual or a group of individuals can say that they would like to adopt a mother. We will introduce them to a mother through written materials, and she and they can develop a relationship. She will write to them four times a year, and they can write to her as often as they like. We should mention, too, that when you sponsor a mother, you're educating uh, a minimum of six people. Mm-hmm. Because you're educating her. Yeah. And then she's teaching at least five children. The ripples that you were talking about, Lynn, take over at that point. So yeah. I think it's a huge impact for $500. Oh, it you is. Know, I, and I think that you've made that clear to our listeners, what kind of an impact that $500 would make. What is that website, Jem? Can you tell us that website? Yes, our website is www.ama. R-O-K-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y dot org. So that's Amarok Society, www.amarokSociety.org. Right. Just Google Amarok Society. Our website should be one of the first things that comes up. Okay. Yeah. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Lynn. It was a pleasure. It's been wonderful to learn about the work of the Amarok Society today. Remember, this is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. 
Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and the community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. We hope you'll join us next time. To learn more about mindful money management, we welcome you to go to soundcloud.com and search Step Right with Lynn. We appreciate your follows, likes, and shares. Until next time, remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.